going on listeners welcome back to another episode here on the sean's take podcast exactly a week ago today we had the nba draft go down and i was excited to get to this episode because typically the nba draft is a chaotic time lots of trades lots of big names on the move this year though we had none of that now we did have trades that occurred before the draft that were very very exciting so we're going to talk about that today but the agenda for today is focusing on these trades that went down. And I'll start by saying what we didn't see, and that is that it was not a very exciting draft. This was one of the most boring drafts that I can remember. We went in with a lot of rumors about things that would happen, and none of them ended up happening. Damian Lillard, Zion Williamson, the Lakers, these were all names and teams that we thought would be making big moves. So Damian Lillard, he did not get moved. Takeaway number one from the draft. But more importantly, no trade happened to get Damian Lillard some help. There were rumors that the Blazers would trade a number three pick for a win-now player. Instead, they drafted Scoot Henderson, who all signs are pointing towards him becoming a superstar in this league. But Damian Lillard made it very clear he didn't want to wait around for a rookie to take time to develop. He wanted them to get somebody who could help him win right now. And the move that I wanted to see the Trailblazers make was trading the number three pick in a deal that would bring back Zion Williamson from the New Orleans Pelicans. We know that Zion Williamson, when on the court, has undeniably been probably a top 10 player in the NBA. However, I believe it's about 36% of the games throughout his career are games that he's been healthy enough to play in. He plays, when you take it all in, one of every three games throughout his career he has played in. That's not getting it done, but let's say Zion was able to get healthy, get his mentality correct, get back to working as hard as people need him to be working and stay in shape, stay healthy. He, with Damian Lord in Portland, is a title contender if you put the right role players around them. But obviously that didn't happen. So Dame gets no help. Interesting story that we're going to see throughout the rest of the offseason is does Dame finally want out of Portland? He's been very adamant that he wants to be in Portland. He doesn't want to go ring chase, but he also wants to be competitive. And the Trailblazers are saying, hey, look, we're going to take Scoot Henderson for our long-term outlook and not for a win-now outlook. However, Portland may also feel, hey, Scoot Henderson is a guy who's going to be better than anyone we could have traded for. And for that reason, we are in win-now mode and free agency is going to help bring in guys to round out this roster. So that's one of the points I wanted to touch on. Another point, no Lakers deal. Lots of rumors were going in about the number 17 pick with the Lakers that they would trade that for some win-now players or a win-now player that could help LeBron James and Anthony Davis put together a nice run once again in LeBron's you know last season or two as a Laker. That didn't happen. They kept the pick, did not get a trade value that they thought would be worth it, and that was disappointing as well. 
Not that I think they made a bad selection, but we had all the rumors about a Buddy Heald and Miles Turner trade. Would have loved to see something like that formulate on draft night. It did not. So the Lakers have some long-term security by taking a player with the number 17 pick, but not getting win-now players right now does kind of hurt. And and also what I will say, it was disappointing on draft night to see that, but there's a long off-season ahead of us still. Free agency is, hasn't even started. We're going to have sign-in trades that can go down. We're going to have a lot that can go down. So who knows? The Lakers may still have some moves in their back pocket that they're just waiting on. But I will say from a draft perspective, wanted to see a deal go down, and it didn't happen. So the biggest rumors that we had going in were Damian Lord and the Lakers and Zion Williamson. All three stayed pat. Selected players did not trade anybody. And that's really uncommon for the NBA draft. Typically, that's the biggest trade night of the year. We've seen massive deals go down on draft night. Paul George has been in some over the years, and it was quiet this year. And quite honestly, it made watching the draft a bit more boring than it is in normal years. So I'm not going to focus on how the draft went. I now want to get to the deals that we saw go down before the draft and what we're going to start with. We have we got the big three, the Suns, the Warriors, and then of course, the Wizards were involved, the Grizzlies were involved in deals. So we have a lot of moving pieces here. The Celtics are really the other part of the big three. Suns, Warriors, and Celtics are the big three. The Wizards were involved in all of them. The Grizzlies got involved in some, but three big trades went down. And we're going to talk about those right now for the remainder of the episode. So the first trade we're going to go over, the Suns trade. What you need to know, Bradley Beal was traded by the Washington Wizards to the Phoenix Suns in a three-team deal that sent Chris Paul to the Wizards. The Pacers were also involved in the deal. Multiple draft picks were exchanged and sent out, including highlighted by, I would say, numerous second-round picks from the Suns. They really depleted their future draft capital. But the main takeaway is that Bradley Beal is a Sun and Chris Paul was sent to Washington in the deal. So my thoughts, my take on this trade for the Phoenix Suns getting Bradley Beal I hate it. Stupid move for the Suns, who are once again star-grabbing under their new ownership. It's not the direction they needed to go in. The team, after trading for Kevin Durant last season, lacked depth. That's what cost them advancing past the Denver Nuggets in the postseason. They now take on Bradley Beal, who will make $46.7 million, $50.2 million, $53.3 million over the next three seasons, and then has a 57 million dollar player option in 2026 at the age of 33 that I guarantee you he will be accepting. So they hinder their team building abilities for not only the future, but they also just shot themselves in the foot for this offseason. Kevin Durant, Booker, and Beal, no doubt, undoubtedly, it's going to be exciting on the court to watch the Phoenix Suns in the regular season. But what comes after that? You're going to get 70 points from KD, Book, and Beal. You also have DeAndre Ayton, who is in trade rumors, but they, there have been multiple statements they want to keep him around. Frank Vogel's a, he's very good at developing big men, centers, power forwards. He wants Ayton in there, in the building from what we've been hearing. So you, Ayton is also, again, another guy who can get you 20 a night. So you got four players who can get you 20 a night. Ultimately, though, we're going to see some drama occur because somebody's going to be left out. It looks like it will be Aiton, who's already been the odd man out in Phoenix and has voiced his frustrations with that. Last year, he signed a max contract with the Indiana Pacers. They wanted to do a sign-and-trade deal, and then Phoenix got desperate and matched that offer. So you're going to have egos 
And un- understandably, too, for DeAndre Ayton, who was the number one pick coming out of Arizona, was supposed to be the face of the franchise, is now going to be the fourth option on this team. He knows that he should be a number one, number two option. He knows he should get 20 touches, not touches, 20 shots up a night. And he's not going to have that. He's going to get putbacks. He may get a couple post plays drawn to him, but he's going to be asked to rebound. And that's about it. That's his role. He's not going to be happy with that. He, I could see him wanting out after the start of the season when it's the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal show and Aiton sitting there on the side. So his touches are going to make a major hit. You're going to have some drama in that locker room because it's going to be hard for all of this to mesh. What the Phoenix Suns need to do moving forward is find out how they can put depth on this roster. And again, Aiton's on a max deal. Kevin Durant's on a max deal. Booker's on a max deal. Bradley Beal's on a max deal. There is no money to spend in Phoenix. So what can you do to round out the roster? Because again, that was their problem after they traded away Mikhail Bridges and some of these other guys, Cam Johnson, in return for Kevin Durant, which wasn't a bad trade because KD and Book are a great one-two punch. But now you trade away depth, future picks, and return for Bradley Beal, and you got four players on your roster who are really, really good and who are going to account for, let's say with Aiton in there, 80 points a night almost. That's probably what you're going to get out of them. There's no room for other production. And also, out of those four, KD's the only one who really plays a little bit of defense. He's not an all-NBA defender, but his length is great. He can disrupt, but Beal doesn't play much defense. Booker doesn't play much defense. Aiton's not regarded as a defensive-minded center. So you're going to have trouble stopping people. And you're going to have trouble finding production from other guys. Not that you need it immediately, because again, these guys are going to put up 80 points. But come postseason, when you play the Denver Nuggets, you're going to need other guys to step up and they're not going to be able to. And that's what cost the Suns advancing to the Western Conference Finals this year when they face Denver. And it's what's going to stop them again in the future. So I will say I saw a tweet on the Suns roster, and and this isn't going to happen, but a Suns fan... He, he said, give me Pat Bev and Dylan Brooks. And again, this isn't going to happen, but I like the message of this and the premise of what this tweet is. The Suns need to find a way. Their, their hope for this roster is to find some guys who will come in on the vets minimum, who are hard-nosed role players, who are going to come and work to set the defensive tone. You do not need to look for any more offensive production because you have four guys who can carry the load. Four guys who could all be number one options if you ask them to be. But you need to go find people who are going to bring the energy and who are going to set the tone on defense. I would like to say, to be honest, like Russell Westbrook would not be a bad fit here coming off the bench because of that energy he brings. He's not going to go to Phoenix. That's not at all the direction I think they're looking to go in because he's also a very ball-dominant player. Now, I will also say Patrick Beverly's not really that great of a defender. He claims he is, but... No one in the NBA really fears Patrick Beverly on the defensive end, Um, but he has the right mentality for this team to get guys motivated, to bring some energy, and they need people like that. Dylan Brooks would be a great fit. He's going to price himself out of that market. Now, he's not going to get the $25 million he is asking for, but he is going to be more than the vet's minimum, and he will get a long-term deal from somebody likely from the Houston Rockets is what it's looking like right now. So, Phoenix has work cut out for them on how they're going to round out this roster. Again, my takeaway on the Suns getting Bradley Buell is I hate it. It was star grabbing. They're making the same mistake the Lakers have made year in, year out with the Russell Westbrook deal. 
going back to Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, they wanted stars. They didn't want to round out a roster. You already had Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. That is, when healthy, probably the best duo in the NBA. Let's be real. That's probably the best duo in the NBA. And you said, no, we want more. Instead of rounding out a roster around these two guys, we're going to go try to get another star so that we can get the media attention. They're going to be a great regular season team. Don't get me wrong. I think they'll be a top four seed in the West because they're going to put up a hell of a lot of points, but they're not going to be able to stop anybody. When things tighten down in the postseason, they're going to struggle. So that's our first trade out of the big three. When we come back, and again, I didn't even really talk about Chris Paul was sent out to Washington. Chris Paul was once then traded again, and that's the deal we're going to talk about when we come back from commercial break. Simply the best. Top 1%. Circle of Excellence. For all your real estate needs. The Gene Low Team. Simply the best. Foggy's Automotive. From a simple oil change to every auto repair to keep your engine running smooth. For Wayne's best car care. Foggy's Automotive, number one. Foggy's Automotive, 1536 Ratsa Road, Wayne. Composer Dunn Pearson, and I want you to visit WBRFRadio.com to make a donation. Your gift, no matter the amount, will help veterans reset fellowship. So join me by becoming a monthly subscriber at WBRFRadio.com. God bless America. You're listening to Dog's Day. So as promised, before we headed to commercial break, we are talking about deal number two, and that deal, once again, involves CP3 Chris Paul. And in this trade, Chris Paul was sent from the Washington Wizards now to the Golden State Warriors in a deal that is built around Jordan Poole heading to Washington and obviously Chris Paul going to Golden State. My thoughts for the Warriors on acquiring CP3, I hate it. Once again, just like the Phoenix Suns with Bradley Beal, there are going to be some great moments with Chris Paul in Golden State. And and again, we're going to assume Draymond Green is coming back. All signs point to the fact that he will be back. Steph Curry wants him back. They want to keep Steph, Clay, and Dre all together, adding Chris Paul. And all of a sudden, you have a very, once again, kind of big name lineup here that's really exciting. And yes, Chris Paul in this offense and Steve Kerr's system is going to be magical. We're going to have moments where you are just speechless, jaw-dropping moments with the passing that can go on here with how Chris Paul can be unlocked. This is the best system that he'll ever have played in. And it's going to look really, really good a lot of times. But here's my issue. Their clutch lineup now is going to be Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. Now that may sound lethal and sound like it has a lot of firepower because you got Steph and Clay, the shooters. You've got Chris Paul and Draymond Green, two of the best passers not only in the league today, but at their positions, two of the best passers in NBA history for a point guard and for a power forward, center, whatever you want to call it, Draymond Green and his positionless basketball style of play. Now, the issue with this, the two biggest players in this clutch lineup, and clutch lineup, I mean the, the lineup that's going to close out games for them. In the clutch time, the Golden State Warriors are going to want to have Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins on the floor, their five best players to close out a game. Your two biggest players are a 6'6 Draymond Green and a 6'7 Andrew Wiggins, none of whom are centers, obviously. 
Sorry, this isn't beating the Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon. And sorry, this is not beating the Los Angeles Lakers as long as Anthony Davis and LeBron James are healthy and have competent role players around them. So just like for the Phoenix Suns, this is going to be an exciting regular season team. I cannot wait to watch the Warriors next year. They're going to have a great regular season. They're going to put up a ton of points. They're going to keep Chris Paul healthy by giving him some load management. But you're going to get to the playoffs And this team is not going to be able to beat the Denver Nuggets or the Los Angeles Lakers. And who knows what else happens in the conference, too. There's a lot of time. The Sacramento Kings could add some pieces, and all of a sudden you say, hey, they're not beating the Kings either. The Clippers, healthy. Yeah, I'm going to take a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George over this team because they have size and defensive abilities that the Warriors aren't going to have. You're getting no defensive production out of your guards with Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the floor. Are you going to tell me Jamal Murray's not going to torch them? Are you going to tell me the Lakers aren't going to get switches? They got switches with Steph on LeBron, and they torched them in the playoffs. That's going to happen in. Even if you bring back D'Lo, D'Lo can cook Steph Curry. Austin Reeves is only going to get better. He's going to be able to get points. So the Warriors are going to struggle defensively a bit. There's still no rim protector here. And they're offensively, it's going to be special, but there's going to be good defensive teams that are a lot bigger than them that are going to be able to shut them down and... Again, I think they were reaching at things. And my issue with the Warriors, why they're really upsetting me, Steve Kerr said, we sensed we needed a shift. Now, this is in reference, again, everything here is happening because of the Jordan Poole and Draymond Green incident. And this is a grown man's league, and the Warriors can't handle grown man problems. That's my take on the Golden State Warriors. So let's go back two years ago when the Warriors won a championship. Jordan Poole played a huge role for this team when they won a championship, to the point they extended him with a four-year, $128 million deal. A max deal for what Jordan Poole is eligible for. He should still be in their future plans. Instead, the Warriors are electing you with a 38-year-old injury-prone point guard who's going to give them, what, one to two years of production? I don't like the direction. And like I said, they took the easy way out with the Draymond Green and Jordan Poole scenario. It wasn't handled correctly. It should not have had that. One, it shouldn't have happened at all. We know that but it shouldn't have had the effect it had on them as a team. Jordan Poole seemed to be able to get over it, but Draymond Green lost his leadership ability in that locker room, and now that Poole's gone, he's going to get that back, but the whole thing, again, it's a grown man league. They had grown man problems, and they could not handle them properly, so they're taking the easy way out by shipping Jordan Poole out when he should be in their future plans. I like the move for the Wizards, getting Jordan Poole back. Obviously, Chris Paul was either going to be traded or bought out. It's really good for the Wizards that they did not buy him out because that was the most likely scenario when it, when all this was going down. So for the Warriors, though, it's again, it's going to be a very fun regular season for them. They're going to get a, a high seed. They're going to be a top five seed. Them and Phoenix will both be in the top five as long as they're healthy the whole year. They're going to score a lot of points. Everyone's going to get super excited. You're going to get to the postseason. They're going to win their first round matchup. And then you're going to get to round two and you're going to face the Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Lakers, and both of them will get beat there. That's the reality of it for me. I'm going to say that now. And I think when we go back, you know, whatever it is, nine months, 10 months from now, we're going to say, hey, wow, yeah, they couldn't get past these bigger teams that play defense and shut down these small lineups and these lineups that lack depth. So that's the Warriors deal. Deal number two. Deal number three, let's get on the Celtics deal. 
Celtics, Grizzlies, and Wizards. Three-team trade. Celtics receive Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and two first-round picks. The Grizzlies receive Marcus Smart, and the Wizards receive Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscola, and two second-round picks. So obviously, the headline here is the Boston Celtics get Chris Stapps, Porzingis. So what's my take? I hate it. We've seen a common theme from these three deals. I hate them all. I love the Celtics getting Chris Stapps, Porzingis. He's going to add a lot to that team. When you have him and Robert Williams on the floor together, that's a lot of rim protection there. Chris Stapps stretches the floor. He has some post skills. He has a mid-range game. But most importantly, he can shoot the three really well. An element I do like, he and Al Horford, I, I heard this the other day. I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe over the past, if it's not one season, but two seasons, are one and two at made threes from the center position. So you get better at shooting with Chris Apps on your team and you get floor spacing and there's a lot of creativity that they can do there. However, why do I hate this trade? Because I hate giving up Marcus Smart. He was the tone setter for this team. He was the real leader in this locker room. We've seen so many things on how Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, who's the real leader here, it should be Tatum, trade Jalen Brown. No, Marcus Smart was that leader, been there for nine years, set the tone like no one else could. These other guys were not ready to level up like Marcus Smart has. They needed Marcus Smart, and they're going to find out this year, this coming season, that they needed Marcus Smart. Now, their previous deal, where they sent Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers, was a much better deal. It's a shame for the Celtics that this deal fell through because of Brogdon's health. That really sucked for them because that was an amazing deal. That was everything they needed. They would have had Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum staying together, and then you have Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Al Horford, Robert Williams. Now that was a real lineup that I liked a lot. I don't like this that you don't have Marcus Smart now. It means, one, you got to find a point guard. Two, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum need to step up on the defensive end because now all of a sudden Marcus Smart, not there to bail you out on the defensive end. And yeah, it's going to be hard to score in the paint with, with these centers you have on your roster. But you're losing perimeter defense big time by letting Marcus Smart go. For the Grizzlies' sake, I love it. Marcus Smart is exactly what this team needed. We have all the John Morant drama. We had all the Dylan Brooks drama going on. Now, Dylan Brooks will be gone. John Morant suspended first 25 games. Plug in Marcus Smart. One, on the court, amazing defender. It's hard for a guard to win Defensive Player of the Year. Marcus Smart has done that. Two, he has improved so much offensively over his nine-year career. Every year, he seems to add more to his offensive bag. He can facilitate. He can shoot now. He can get to the hole. I like his on-court presence and his locker room presence for the Memphis Grizzlies. And then also, for as all the antics that Dylan Brooks offered this team, they're going to miss his defense. Now, all of a sudden, they're not going to. They were. They said they're going to let Dylan Brooks walk. That defensive presence was something that was going to hurt them. Bring in Marcus Smart. You get a equally as good perimeter defender, if not a better perimeter defender. And I, I love what's going on in Memphis here. Smart fits this team perfectly. He'll work well with Jaw once Jaw's back on the court. And the Grizzlies have always been this tough-nosed, hard mentality type of team. And Marcus Smart may be the person that if, if you told me before this deal happened, if you could put Marcus Smart and his mentality on any team in the NBA, where would it be? I would have said the Memphis Grizzlies. He fits their mold very, very well. And his maturity and veteran leadership is going to be huge for this team. So for the Grizzlies, I love it. And then let's touch on the Wizards. What do you have here with the Washington Wizards? Well, you get Tyus Jones in this deal. And that's 
really important for the Wizards. So what I don't like about the Wizards trading away Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis is that they did not get draft capital back. Very limited draft picks, you know, valuable draft picks came back to them. And that's disappointing for trading away your two best players. But getting Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole, I like. And it's very sneaky and under the radar, but Jones and Poole are the building blocks of this team moving forward. I Again, I don't love the lack of draft picks they get in these deals, but Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole have been two guys waiting in the shadows who will break out and be better than what most people realize. So Washington is going to go into this rebuild, but they have two of their building blocks already to help headline them. We'll see what happens with Kyle Kuzma. They have the money to re-sign if they want. Kuzma's a pretty damn good player too. You bring him back, you could have Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, and Kuzma leading the way, which I like. If you let Kuzma go, hopefully they can get a sign-and-trade deal with him, get draft picks for him, or get another young player who can kind of head this rebuild with Jones and Poole. But for the Wizards, for what they had to do, and part of the context they couldn't get more out of a Bradley Beal trade was because of that contract. I read those numbers off earlier, making $50 million a year for a player who's going to be 33 by the time his contract ends, and a player who is not, I love Bradley Beal, I love his game, but he has never contributed much to a winning team. And a lot of that is because the roster they had around him, but he hasn't won. And so there is the argument to make that he's not a winning player and he's a player who's really good, but isn't going to help take your team to the next level. So you're not going to, for his contract, you're not going to get a bunch of draft capital back. For Porzingis, there was a deadline at midnight for the day all these deals went down that Porzingis had to opt in or opt out of his out of his player option. I think it was $36, $37 million. The Wizards needed to get a deal done so he could opt in in time. If he opted out, they risked losing him for nothing because then there's no guarantee he's going to do a sign-in trade. He could have walked, and that leaves the Wizards with zero value that they get back. So that's why they didn't get as much draft capital as I think they should have. But Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, I like getting those two guys. I think both of those guys are going to have really nice years next year. Um, I, I think Jordan Poole has all-star potential. Tyus Jones, when John Morant's been out, also shows that he has all-star potential. So if they can get those two guys working well together, Tyus Jones will be more the facilitator. Poole will be more the shooter, shooting guard, you know, two-guard type of role, uh, shot creator for himself. Jones also shoots a very high percentage from three, though. You, you have building blocks there that I really like. So... Overall, for the Wizards and the Grizzlies in this deal, I love it. For the Celtics, I hate it because you give up Marcus Smart. I'm very excited to see Chris Haps Porzingis there. It's not as bad as the Suns and the Warriors trades for me, but I don't like giving up your best defender and the leader of your locker room. However, I do think the Celtics are in a better spot than both the Warriors and the Suns because I think they have more overall pieces to succeed. I think they can replace Marcus Smart's production both offensively and defensively. They can work to do that and work around that. Meanwhile, the Suns are going to lack depth. The Warriors are going to lack size. And ultimately, for all three of these teams, the Celtics, the Suns, and the Warriors, they made these trades to get back or get to the NBA Finals. I don't think either of them, all three of these teams, are not going to find themselves in the NBA Finals next year. And we'll come back again 10 months from now and see if I'm right. But I have a feeling all three of these teams will have disappointing postseason exits after these moves that they made in the offseason. So, With that, we have rounded out the big three trades. 
Thanks for listening, listeners, and make sure to come back next week when I'll be sitting down with the best fantasy football player in the world. Yes, that's not an exaggeration. This is the best fantasy football player in the world that we'll be having on next week. You won't want to miss this exclusive interview. So once again, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sean's Take podcast, and make sure to join Sean's Take on social media for more unique and exclusive content by following at Sean's Take on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.